You're listening to And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. With the neighborhood kids up the road now Cornflower beauty swallowed by prairie ocean Coast to coastal cemetery and churchyard Solemn dead grass summer that and welcome to episode 124 of the Collabcast It's Monday, June the 12th, 2017 My name is Marvin Yeh I felt like that needed an air horn Hi, I'm Minji Chang Nothing needs air horn Yes, it does Nothing I object It's only to annoy Hi, guys <laughs> Hey, welcome uh, Alright, I, I was going to point out that Minji's sick But actually, let's point that out Minji is sick What happened? <laughs> what the heck? Don't make me laugh, I'm going to cough <laughs> um, Atlanta happened. It was really, really fun. The first time in like it was so fun that my old self. It's couldn't. a throwback to when we first started this podcast back in like twenty twenty fifteen, where I was sick every other episode. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good to be you back. Took your, you took your one good trip, and then you were bedridden for the rest. For those of you who follows Minji Chang on the uh, on the Instagram stories, she hasn't left her bed in like three days. Two days. It's like I'm pretty I left sure today. it smells in there. I'm sitting. Shut up! That's disgusting. <laughs> How rude. Our guest this week is the winner of the latest Collaboration Atlanta Talent Showcase. He is a rapper um, based in Atlanta, originally from Maryland, correct? Uh, from yes. the DMV. Um, Mr. Uzu Han, how's it going? Hello, hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining it. us. Congratulations on uh, <laughs> on winning Collaboration Atlanta. Um, looking forward to seeing you down here in LA um, coming up oh, in, yeah. um, in the fall. How does it feel? Uh man, it's uh it feels great, man. I um it it's funny because I was telling my friends um that it feels kind of surreal. I ha- I haven't really entered myself into many contests, um. So being able to win something like this on the platform that it is, um, you know, I'm I'm just really grateful. Aww. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. Um, of course, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Collaboration <laughs> runs a series of talent discovery showcases around they the nation. They only know the podcast. <laughs> it's like, we have some people who only know the podcast. Yeah, but we not. talk about the show all the yeah. time. Um, yeah, we um, one of Collaboration's, our original missions is to go out and discover um, Asian American talent all over the nation and the world, technically. Canada. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and... Um, Uzuhan, our guest, was the winner of this past weekend's Collaboration Atlanta Showcase, which um, brought together up-and-coming Asian-American talent from the ATL, from the uh, 404, from the Atlanta, Georgia area, um, which, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I talk to people and they don't even realize there's Asians in Atlanta. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many. It's ridiculous. No, and and um, I think I believe it's been like a little bit of time since Atlanta had a show. Yeah, um, they took some time to regroup their staff. So shout out to Sam Cho and his staff for putting together an amazing night. It was my first ever collab Atlanta show, and I actually got to host. <clears throat> hence my cold. Um, oh, you're blaming the hosting. I'm not blaming it. I'm crediting it. I'm honoring <laughs> it because I I I had so much fun. I felt like it was such good energy in the room, and I want to let James or Uzan speak on that. But um, I just felt like <clears throat> for it being my first time in Atlanta at a collab show, 
I just felt like everybody was there to just have a good time. Yeah. And they're there to support their friends. And like sometimes it's it's hard to get the crowd hype, but it was just, it was all there. And it was a Thursday night. I feel like I, I've been at the Atlanta show once back in um, 20, I want to say 2012, 2012. Do you hear the KV one? KV Vu. I'm current crowd mm. collaboration Atlanta uh, associate director. And I feel like Atlanta people have no, like, they don't need much convincing to get hype. <laughs> from what I've noticed. I believe it. How, how'd you feel about the night, though? Like, it was so good, right? I don't know. I'm just, like, talking from my perspective. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like the shows I've been to, whether it's Asian people or, you know, a mixed race group, I mean, you just you just put on some great music and people are, are down to um, just vibe out and and have a good time yeah which is why yeah. i like atlanta yeah but you it's like i'm telling yeah. you like <laughs> well you've been all over everywhere but like yeah there's some crowds where you don't get that response it's a little hard so we'll, we'll talk more about atlanta and uzahan and um <laughs> and all that after the break um but yeah before we get to that let's uh let's get into our roundtable discussion every week we start off the podcast with a roundtable um, where our guests share what's on their minds in the world of pop culture in Asian America. And then this week, let's start with um, Sick Girl, Minji. That's messed up. I actually don't <laughs> have like a set thing. My mind's been like on overdrive. The day, I don't, should I talk about the Comey thing? <laughs> it's literally like, I'm thinking about that a lot. That and I'm reading The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, we can talk about any of those. Okay. Well, so yeah, you've been, um, Minji's been in a political awakening lately. Like she's like, I don't know. Well, I think Are you all saying of us, I wasn't woke before? I think before? all of us in terms of um, in terms of Asian American slash millennials slash people our age are kind of, kind of coming to our own in terms of actually wanting to understand how all this shit works. Well, yeah. I mean, we're just like you. I feel like personally, I've always kind of just been interested in it since I was pretty young. Um, but at this point, the state of the world, it feels irresponsible not to know, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, okay, well, so the day of the show, before mm-hmm. I went to the show. Right, the show was on Thursday, which is the same day as the- I was watching the, the Comey hearing. <laughs> that was a crazy thing Ooh. because it was like broadcast on all the major networks and on YouTube and on Twitter and on Facebook. Like, I mean, it was, the whole world yeah. was tuning in. Like the whole world has been tuning in. Has it? Like, I feel like it's weird that like- our reality TV like president has literally turned government into reality TV. I mean, (laughs) there's pros and cons to that. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm going to put a silver lining on things, which I always try to do, it's people are paying attention. Right. So I feel like, I don't know. It's, it's tough for us to like talk about this subject with getting too political. Regardless, like a lot of things are converging right now. I guess kind of like the bigger meta thing that I'm feeling, especially since the beginning of this year, is just like the the necessity to pay attention to bigger things that maybe could have flown under the radar mm-hmm. um, and like the direct impact it has on our lives, right? So even like this past weekend was Pride, right? And we had Kevin Yee on our podcast last week, who's amazing, yep. like Broadway, um, openly gay performer. And like that even brings up a lot of stuff with like, um, within the Asian community, how much homophobia there is. And like, that is not even like widely discussed. And, mm. and like, all of these things that it, it, it like, we're kind of in the middle of this uh, tornado, I guess, of everything kind of coming under question and everything kind of being put under the microscope. And a lot of people, maybe before, didn't need to look at it. So, like, to, 
identify this is where I stand on XYZ. Uh-huh. Or kind of like thrown into that. Right? That's just what I feel right now. That's what I'm observing. Um, there's people who are like actively partaking in a lot of people that we know in our circles. And there's people who just kind of like... I think people are realizing that they they have much more power than they thought they had. Because like, I feel like it's human nature um, to pass off power to people who you think might know better. Or people who are in charge, you're taught are, should be respected, should be obviously smarter than you and better than you or else they wouldn't be in that position so you should trust what they have to say and then i think coming to like the, the political re- awakening is coming to the realization that they might not be question authority or smart <laughs> they might not necessarily know better or even believe in the same things you do and realizing that you know in order to um to represent, to represent yourself to, like you you should um vocalize that voice to make sure that the people representing you or the people who will represent you know. Anyway, I brought it up because it's just like, it's a lot. And I don't know about y'all out there, but I feel sometimes inadequate to even speak on it because I don't feel like I know enough. Like you're saying, like, I don't feel like I know enough to make any sort of educated remark. Even I don't know who all my Congress people are. (laughs) I don't know the process to contact them. I don't know what they stand on like certain issues. I don't know if they're liberal or conservative, if they believe in gay rights, if they, what, you know, would they show up to pride parade, which was happening yesterday? I think yours is probably Adam Schiff. Yeah. See, again, you know more than me, Canadian, but like, (laughs) uh, Oh, you're Canadian. Wow. He claims Canada. He's just born Ooh, there. Yeah, I respect that. That's cool. <laughs> anyway. Um, on that note, what's on? <laughs> well, I, I have a thought um, yeah. talking about uh, – well, it's kind of a thought I had recently because um, – so I, I was reading an article and I was thinking, man, it's – sometimes I imagine it, it would be tough for um, – like how can people who are in privilege, um, white people – um, wealthy white people, how are they able to relate to um, the minority experience? Um, and I was like, man, because racially, like, they're just never going to, it's going to take years, you know, for people with privilege to, like, kind of get a uh, fast track to understanding what it's like for, you know, like Asians or African Americans or something like that. But then I, I kind of had a thought, I was like, man, as a guy, like there are so many privileges that I have um, and it just got me thinking. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like an experience that we can pull from, at least in my little circles. Like that's kind of how I've been trying to really relate to women who feel um, like uh, marginalized and underrepresented and all these things that as a minority I understand, like as an Asian American. Right. It's just kind of a thought I had because I was like, wow. Like as guys, we can totally understand, and that's like that. That's kind of like the, I guess for me, yeah, like where culture and and politics and all of that are intersecting. Because I think before maybe like kind of the point I was making about how it felt very like intellectual and like out of real life, right? Like oh, those right. those laws and these things that are happening in these buildings and these meetings and stuff. They don't like let them handle it. It's their mess, like blah, 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 right? Yeah, um, yeah. And to a degree, I felt that way. I'm like, oh, there they go again, these crazy, you know. But now it's really like hitting home a lot more now, I think, and recognizing how those decisions impact how it's going to, like laws and like general, how it's going to impact culture and society to like yeah. feel safe about who you are based on your race mm-hmm. or your gender or your sexual orientation or your ethnicity, yeah. whatever. Um mm-hmm. 
that's scary. But then it's also like, again, if you look at what the power of media is doing right now, for me, I keep like falling back on like Wonder Woman right now. Yeah. And like how much that's impacting people's hearts to like step back and realize like, oh my God, I never knew. Like even for me as a woman who's like very strong woman identifying, but like I didn't realize what a big deal it was to see a strong, like a superhero woman. I like cried in this movie and I didn't expect that. Yeah. And I was like, I just realized I'd never seen this before. And then seeing like, I was like, wow. And then that literally makes me like, I need a vote. I need to know what's going on in my Congress. Like I, for me, that's just literally some of the the dots that are getting connected for me. Um, So when I step out into back into my real life of all this madness, like I'm given a little bit of like a surge of I'm going to handle myself and like I'm going to contribute and I'm not going to be scared because, yeah, I do have to walk and I have to hold my keys in my hand. That's my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But wow. that's that's crazy. You talk about Wonder Woman. A friend of mine was telling me how um, she watched it and, you know, her, her husband was like, man, yeah, this makes me feel all sorts of weird things. You know, like I don't want to be like having to see this kind of stuff, blah, blah. I mean, it was out of ignorance. He was just being very frank. You know, it was a good movie, but like, I didn't want to see all these like Amazonian women. You know, it, it just made me feel weird. And then she was like, well, you know, like when I watch all these like other male superhero movies or movies where like men are idealized, it makes me like, I have to put up a guard all the time. Like, this is not what a man actually is. This is like a, a false fictionized, uh, you know, emotional porn type of thing that i need to like protect myself against i thought that was very interesting yeah. for like this married couple to talk about it because like i mean like as as a woman you you just have to deal you just have to it's like second nature now because you're bombarded with all these things that you have to filter through you mm-hmm. know and for a wonder woman to come out and guys to be you know if any guys are like, oh, I don't want to see like these kind of women. It makes me feel uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's giving us like a taste of our own like privilege or right. things that we haven't been able to think about or we, we haven't been forced to think about it. So it's it's kind of cool to see that conversation happening. I love it. Yeah. I mean, on, on that note, I guess we'll go into yeah. my topic, which is um, it's it's really interesting how things that we've been talking about up on this podcast has been like coming up again and again. Like last week we talked about at length about Joy Luck Club about how they're making a new TV version of the of the uh, adaptation of the book, right, right, right. and then right after that, a BuzzFeed like long form article came out about basically the making of that original film and how improbable it was, and how like even in today in today's world, it probably couldn't have happened. It would only have happened in 1990. During that time, during that momentum, how I didn't read this, and um, yeah, it's it's really really good. Um, it follows um Janet Yang's um the producer's story about getting the rights, getting the people together, and and one of the points it made was if they were to pitch that movie now, the movie studios have become so sophisticated that they would use data to show how this movie would not work, and so that you no, know, it never right. would have been made. It wouldn't have been made for ten million dollars. It would make for like three million or something. <laughs> um, but it also goes through how it launched the careers of like oh, Ni wow. Na Wen and a lot of like the actresses. That were in that movie, right? Um, and I was thinking about just how you know, I mean, it's not the same. It's not Asian American story, but the next big like Asian focused story is Crazy Rich Asians, which we just found out our friend Harry Shum Jr. just got casted as um, Charlie, cool. who is, I guess, one of the major characters in the trilogy. Wait, Charlie? He's the ex boyfriend of the sister. <gasps> He's playing Charlie. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just finished the book. So <laughs> it's, now I get it. <laughs> 
I have like Tylenol brain right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. Congrats, Harry. <laughs> and like, you no, know, there's a, that's another movie that could create this like kind of Wonder Woman type um, of um, resonance in. It's just another culture. in. It's like a major in. Like then, it's a gateway. I keep using that word lately. <laughs> yeah, and also there the the they just dropped a trailer for um for Black Panther. Oh, I don't watch it. Ryan Coogler's Black Panther, which is the next um one. Uh, it's coming out next year. It's the next Marvel movie featuring um, Black Panther, which is like the king of this African technological African kingdom. Um, it stars you know Michael B. Jordan, um, Angela Bassett, like, Spoon. and it's gonna be like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's this momentum with films like Wonder Woman, like Get Out, like even what Crazy Rich Asians could potentially be. That we're like rewriting what mainstream, what successful mainstream movies could be. I think it's right? totally happening, and like people who are paying attention to. Well, it's funny just because like a timeline with making any sort of project. It's like any artistic creation takes a long time to go from ideation to like actually sharing with the public. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we're kind of getting a glimpse of what people were thinking, maybe like two, <laughs> you know, plus years ago. Right. Yeah. Cause it took that long for that idea for this comic book, whatever. I mean, the comic books are a little different because I feel like that's just been written for years and years. And I, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, even black Panther started as a B tier character. No one really knows about it. Uh, we put them in, Civil War and they seemed to do well and then because it did so well because the character resonated so well with the black community and with the general public they decided to like oh let's go all in then they got Ryan Coogler who's known for you know Fruitvale Station and Swoon and um and Creed <laughs> um like just like when all in made this like not just the black superhero movie but like the black superhero movie but see like capital T right yeah I feel like that's happening we'll see and I'm not as in on the comic book world I just was like pleasantly blown away by the Wonder Woman phenomenon and like what we are doing in Asian America with the stories and then like kind of leveraging what's happening in like pop culture and then using that as a point to like, hey, so we got a story too. Mm -hmm. We got some artists too who can show you how dope it is, how universal it is, how heartbreaking it is, how entertaining it is, whatever. It's like we're, we're finding our ends too, right? Yeah. And finding that, and and my thing is that it's authentic. It's not, it's not like, hey, this is marketable. So we're gonna like so, make some <laughs> fake version of ourselves. So my question would be like, what? How do we, you know, how does that translate to music, right? Because I think feel like that's still a that's still an industry where we're invisible. We're having some struggles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I could talk to Usan about that all day. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh, well. Oh man, I guess that's something I'm still trying to figure out. Um, <laughs> I think, at least from what I've been doing in my music, and I've seen how it's resonated with my African American black friends, Latino friends who are not Asian, and I see the response from other Asians, and I realize that me being unashamed, you know, uh, to be Korean and American, that act that act of being very bold I find speaks very loudly to people of other cultures. Yeah. Um, like I don't need to make myself more palatable. Like in one sense, I feel like I don't need to uh, like dumb down my Koreanness. Like, you know, I'm not going to get an American version of like 
onion rings. I'm going to get that <laughs> Korean one that I eat. I don't know. I'm not going to get like the bootleg shrimp crackers. I'm just going to get what I usually do. Yeah. I think the thing that though oh, I've you know the done, Asian Funyuns? Yeah, <laughs> like I wouldn't great. get Funyuns. I, would, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I know for like also I use Korean. In my, I use some Korean phrases in my songs, but in my ad libs and how I explain it, I make it simple enough and also put the English translation um, in my words. So, like, you know, I have a Chinese friend who doesn't understand Korean. He it allows him to like still participate because he knows what he's saying. Yeah. He just doesn't really know how to pronounce it that well. <laughs> he just has to practice more. <laughs> so, like, I don't know, having people kind of like step into my space into my world is something that i'm trying to do but not in a like i'm just bombarding you with all these phrases i'm doing it like words at a time little things at a time like crackers like people can look at my uzu trap video which is what came out like two weeks ago you know they can go to the local korean asian supermarket and get that you know it's very accessible yeah so i don't know that's kind of one way i've been making my culture accessible yeah. in my music um and visuals help with that that's why uh, i think you did well with that it's just fun you know and and again it's kind of like you have something to say that's like authentically from you you're not trying to like be x y and z like you're not trying to be another like more prominent artist you're you're you're, you're just being yourself you're just being yourself i think that's that's something that even in our our art we're trying to just as a culture trying to figure out what is Right. Yeah, we we know what the stories are. And I think that's kind of the universal thing, maybe why you resonate when you share your music with other people who are not Korean American or Asian American. Like wow. they just recognize real, right? And I think we we have enough media thrown at us every day that we can kind of somehow intuitively tell, okay, this is something that's like for real from this guy. Yeah. It's just his personality, it's what he likes. Versus yeah. like, oh, you're trying to be somebody. You're trying to be like a version of XYZ. Which is hard yeah, because yeah. we're trying to like figure out who we are yeah. in this whole grand scheme of things. And like we, we figure that out by role models, right? <laughs> by having people that we want to be like. But understanding that like we can't like like art the best art I feel like comes from like this deep this deep story that you need you need to tell. Like you want you need to get out. Right. Mm. I have a story, but I'll share that later in, <laughs> in, in the second half. Yeah. Um what's what's been on your mind, Uzu? Han? Um Oh, I was listening to, uh, I mean, but it's all, I'm kind of just like, you know, anything revolved around music. I was just listening to like some new songs that came out recently and I was like, man, the mix of it, the mix sounds really terrible. (laughs) Like we're, we're in the area. Oh, sorry. We're in the era, um, of when, you know, content is king and like, we're, we're like done with like the high quality HD, like sterile setups. You know, we like meme videos are so like lo-fi and so... Like but low you, quality, but if the dance or if the thing is funny enough, like it's shareable, you know. So it's it's an interesting era we live in right now. I completely agree. I've been having this conversation because I'm, you know, I'm an actor, and I also like talk yeah. about, you know, there's like all these meme, like you're saying, like meme videos or random like spoofs, and they're entertaining. They're like really entertaining, mm-hmm. but I mean, I guess 
my thing is I'm not and I'm not trying to be a condescending like thespian but it's like well are you no, going it, for like the Oscar are you trying to get like the millions of followers or like it's a game right it's you're, you're playing for like especially if you're chasing that meme game if, if, if you if you want to be top of the meme game hierarchy you have to like research you have to know what's cool before it's even cool so you're, you're ready with mm-hmm. the billion videos but, but that's the funny thing with the entertainment industry it's just so fickle yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you have no idea what's going to be. <laughs> Who knew damn Daniel would be a thing? But and that, yeah. but at the same time, it's a flash in the pan. Yeah. Right? Like, no one's saying that anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, you have people in the YouTube game who their whole entire job, their whole entire livelihood is to catch on to these, like, make bets on these memes, like, catch on these memes as they're hot, get the billion views to get the ad money, and then move on to the next one. And you have some that are, you know, trying to build... I don't know, build other things. And those where, are, but. Well, where were you watching the um, video from? Were you watching on YouTube? I'm just curious. Like, oh, no, I saw it on, it was on Instagram. See? And then I was, that's what I was curious about. Because, like, Instagram is, like, where you discover new stuff now. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, I, I don't I have agree. data. <laughs> yeah? Are you, like, that's where I'm sourcing, like, people will share stuff. And I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not on, on YouTube anymore, like, browsing anything. I haven't. I feel like I haven't done that in years. I haven't done that yeah. in a while. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm. I always ask these people, like, where do you guys find your music? Where do you find your stuff? I think it depends on where you are too, and that's the thing. That's the thing with marketing is that's why it's so tough these days for social media because everyone's everywhere, right? Because I, I, I feel I, like everyone's on Instagram. I'm more on YouTube. Like I browse on YouTube. I browse. I Maybe I'm old, but then people my yes. age, I feel like. Are there so it's like where do you where do you want to like who do you want to reach if you want to reach young people yeah probably Instagram and find out how to use that but I mean I I still like I consume most of my video content like on a browser form but see like are you a target demographic I'm pretty sure people my age have the money to be target I mean targeting kids but are are you spending your money on that that okay so now we're getting into business but it's like are you spending money on on that like these are kids who are spending. This is like why I don't go to Coachella anymore. I was like, I have things I need to save for. <laughs> like, I didn't go. I don't not going to festivals and stuff as much anymore, right? And and all the twenty somethings are they're spending their five hundred dollars for the ticket, and then they're. Ex- but you don't market Coachella. Coachella markets itself. I'm but talking I'm about. Like, I'm talking about like people who buy ads and stuff like those. Yeah, I mean those Coachella. You don't need a target. You're already targeting based on your your event existing. But that that genre. Uzan, are, are you a are you a festival goer? Are you like a music discoverer? Like actively going to these things to like find new people, or are you just like letting it flow to you? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I let it flow to me. I maybe in college I would have been more like that, but I was broke in college, so it's not like I went to festivals either. I just <laughs> I just discover music in. You know, like blogs or oh, now it's Spotify. Honestly, like it's either through like someone recommending it, word of mouth, or I discover something on Spotify or Apple Music. It's right. it's crazy. Yeah, like I I don't go to festivals. I honestly, I yeah, unless I'm performing at it, I don't really spend all that money for festivals. Um, I probably should, but I'm no, I think you're wise. Like I'm not saying, cause I'm not saying I'm, I'm loaded and probably I'm not loaded because I spent money going to Coachella like three times. And that's the funny thing is like where people are spending their money. I actually was watching something about music consumption, like where we're getting, where we're sourcing, um, like why people are going to these festivals where they, they know maybe 
like 10 out of 100 of the people performing, mm-hmm. right? And they mess, oh, the rest wow. of them, they don't even know. But they're going because it's experiential. Like they're going for the experience and they're spending all this money technically that they don't really have or they wisely should not be spending. Um, but it's kind yeah. of name, like it's, it's, a, it's a thing of our generation um, spending all this money. I don't know, we talk about the whole millennial thing all the time, but it's mm. a key characteristic. Like, we'll spend money on an experience. We'll spend money on going to, well, like EDC's coming up, right? And like, well, even experience in terms of Business Insider article talking about how millennials kill a bunch of chains. And it's because millennials, because we have so little money, we spend it on things that we want to remember, which means we spend them on those more expensive restaurants or more fine dining or more like more specialized things rather than your Applebee's or your Hooters or your TGI Fridays. Oh, those are all dying? Those are all dying because of millennials just don't want to eat there. Because it's not Instagrammable. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to Instagram. <laughs> Nobody's Instagramming their, their awesome blossom from <laughs> wherever that was sold. Do you know what I'm saying? But that's shifting our entire culture and economy, like yeah. to degree our economy. So I'm, I'm just curious about that because the trends are, are going to change. And, like, where we get it from, I say, I don't know, Instagram's still killing the game. And they just, like, they're destroying Snapchat, too. So, anyway, I don't know how I got into this uh, tangent. But it's because I think about where we get our music from. And I, I like, want to go discover stuff on Spotify. Because I think that's where I I discover my music, too, lately. (laughs) And on that note... um, (laughs) Let's uh let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with more from uh, Usuhan. Cool. BRB. All right. Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Collabcast. Uh, this podcast, of course, is part of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community in North America and beyond. Learn more about collaboration, our programs, and check out our other digital content by going to our website at www.collaboration.org. And remember, that's collaboration with a K. A quick update on the ongoing collaboration season. And congrats to our team at Collaboration Atlanta for holding their Collaboration Atlanta showcase this past week. As you may know, um, the winner is the guest of this week's collabcast, Uzuhan, who is a rapper. Um, check out more of his stuff by searching Uzuhan Music on Google. Um, coming up in July, we have three other showcases, including Collaboration Chicago taking place on Saturday, July 8th at Shubas. Collaboration San Francisco taking place on Saturday, July 15th at Impact Hub Oakland and Collaboration Los Angeles taking place on Saturday, July 29th at the East West Players Theater. If you're near any of those cities in July that are having shows, please check out their Facebook pages for more information. Finally, the Collabcast is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts and podcasters from the Asian American community. You can learn more about our fellow podcasts in the collective by going to the website www.podcastpotluck.com. This week, I wanted to share a new podcast that just launched um, on the Potluck Collective, the Korean Drama Podcast. This is a podcast hosted by Will Choi, um, frequent guest of the Clubcast and also the creator of Asian AF, the monthly Asian American comedy variety show at the UCB Sunset Main Stage. Will is a guy who's unfamiliar with the world of K-dramas, but has decided, along with his co-host, to watch a whole season of a Korean drama and, um, and give his commentary. 
The first season features the classic Korean drama Boys Over Flowers, and its co-hosts are Phil Yu, um, the blogger behind Angry Asian Man, and Phil's wife Joanna. Join Will and company on their journey by checking out the Korean drama podcast at the Potluck Podcast Collective. Again, by going to the website at www.podcastpotluck.com. And before we get back to the show, um, I'm going to leave you with a little sample of the Korean drama podcast. Um, so if you like what you hear, please check it out. Hello, and welcome to the creatively named Korean drama podcast, where we are watching the hit drama Boys Over Flowers and talking about it with uh, a few friends. Yeah. Like they're just very rich and they're beautiful, right? Yeah. The entire first episode, I feel like mostly features them walking through doorways or <laughs> yeah, walking into right. place, right? Right. People yeah. are screaming and they're walking. That's the only thing that those four guys do practically yeah. the entire episode. Who at this Boys point of watching this drama in episode two would ever be like Tandi and and Perm Boy need to be together at this I point, right? I don't I'd know. be like, I detest this guy. Yeah. You know, I kind of I'm rooting for her and Ringo <laughs> at this point. Ringo needs some I love. Like, yeah. I like pottery guy. All right, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, You're committed. I'm com- I'm very committed, you guys. And welcome back to the Collabcast. This is episode one twenty four. Uh, my name is Marvin Yu. Joining me is the very sniffly. Sorry, <laughs> Minji Chang. Hi, guys. <laughs> And our guest this week is the winner of Collaboration Atlanta. Um, he's a hey. rapper, musician, cool guy extraordinaire. I ran out of adjectives, sorry. Um, it's all good. <laughs> I'm flattered. Thank you. Uzuhan, how's it going? Ooh, I'm doing well. I'm hungry. Yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, get into it. Let's get into it so you can go eat. <laughs> all of us. Yeah, we're at the East Coast. Have you, you haven't eaten lunch yet? It's like pretty late for you there it's like 3 o'clock. yeah yeah it's 3 p.m right now uh no i'm good i'm good i'm just practicing discipline you know, it's, it's all good <laughs> so uzuhan you are a rapper based out of the atlanta area how long have you been in atlanta i've been in atlanta for two years now nice yeah i got yeah. to like talk to him a little about it because we were kind of compare, comparing maryland to atlanta mm-hmm. but, uh, well where maryland are you from um, so I am from. So I was born in Silver Spring. And okay. Then in middle school, I moved to Germantown. Okay. Um, it's all still in Montgomery County. That's like so near Potomac, right? Or is yeah. That, oh, yeah. how do you how do you know? I went to I went to grad school at UMD. So I, I, I lived. Oh, in, I actually lived in Silver Spring for two years. Oh, yeah. when did you go to? Okay, well, I, I mean, I guess I don't. We could talk about it later. But I, I went to <laughs> University of Maryland. Okay. What did you yeah. study there? I studied uh, um, graphic design. Graphic design, graphic design. Nice. Which you still do, and it's like part yeah. of your <laughs> your livelihood. Yeah, that's my my side to main hustle <laughs> when music isn't popping. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's popping now. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so what um what prompted the change? What what led you to Atlanta? Um. So I mean, like I was telling Minji, the there's there isn't much of an industry at least for me mm. when i was in maryland um you know just finding video directors and finding pr or people in the industry it just it, it was just so hard for us to stay encouraged and stay connected yeah um so i felt like atlanta not only was the land cheap there there was also a big asian <laughs> korean community there there there's a huge film and music industry that is 
you know, out and about. It's thriving. Friday, alive. Right? Yeah. It's just, it's like the hip hop capital. It was just like, it felt like the perfect place for, for me and, and my crew to just, you know, set up shop. And it's, it's proven to be a very, very profitable and um, a very good move for us. Very cool. And yeah. I, f- I definitely felt, I really liked that about the area that we had the show. We had the show at aisle five and mm. that's just, I'm sure it's like a tiny sliver, but for me, I'm still like getting acquainted with Atlanta and the art mm. scene. But what I've observed through like collab and social media, it's like, yeah, every, everywhere there's like some, some night happening, some concert, some event. Mm-hmm. And I love that because you really don't find that just anywhere. Those are really like, yeah. Hollywood's there now, like oh, it's the Hollywood of the yeah. South. We were just talking, like I was talking a lot with a different artist there, just how, like, it, it, for actors, especially actors of color, you know, seeking opportunity out in Atlanta right now is crazy because <laughs> all the production. It's on NPR. It's like Atlanta's booming right now with production because of tax incentives and whatnot, and everyone's like, all right, I'm gonna go down south now. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, <clears throat> I'm curious though because you've been doing music for a lot longer than you know. You've been in Atlanta for two years. But mm-hmm. you started music back in, when was it, 2010? 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. So, like, you were, were you, like, YouTubing it and you were trying to, like, what was that? No, <laughs> not actually my, so, I mean, in one sense, I've flown under the radar f- because I didn't do the YouTube thing. So, uh-huh. I, um, I started doing music with um, my friend Sam Ock, which I'm sure you guys, you've heard of him. Yes. Um, so he he pretty much discovered me on Facebook. We had a mutual friend, and I um, I, I was rapping uh, something to like this Lil Wayne a Millie beat, and then Sam messaged me. He was like, "Oh, like you know, I I go to a nearby college. Like, let's make music together." So I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, so that pretty much started um, like me and him making music together, and then um, our group formed uh, Amp. Um, Amp, we are a trio. We make like alternative hip hop, and like we're also very we're like very uh, vocal about our faith because we wanted to like encourage um, like the Asian American church. Um, so like our you know we were just very like focused and passionate about what we we're doing, you know, and and still very much we love art, we love music. So we kind of just did a lot of stuff through amp i didn't really do any solo stuff then um i was kind of owning my craft and uh but yeah like being in maryland and what we did we went to different like campuses different churches different like conferences across the united states so we didn't have to really necessarily build an art scene in maryland virginia dc um so we were kind of like we we were kind of in our own little bubble, but it got to a point in like 2013, like three years into it, we we're like, wow, we can't just keep doing this. We have to be connected to other artists, other people, people who are different than us. Like we just have to expand this network, you right. know, because we we feel the limitations of it. Um, 2013 was when I started doing more solo stuff because we just felt like, I mean, the group things. It was very good, and we continue to do that. But like for Sam, he was—I mean, he was really like starting to bloom, um, like in 2012. So I was like, "Oh man, I should—I should do this too," and really discover what my personal voice was. I love that uh, because yeah. That, so I got experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that—I mean, like <clears throat> that takes everybody comes into that at a different time, right? Like you can't—you yeah. can't force it. Like it's not a marketing plan, and I think that's when. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat is so bad. Sick mean juice out there. Oh. What I've seen is that um 
different artists like reach their launching point, I guess. Like if they're part of a collective or they're part of a group, um, you kind of you're like what's the word incubating right and then yeah. you find and then you kind of like figure out like all right this is where I, i'm like inspired your, or pushed or whatever it's your justin timberlake moment yes you're justin timberlake <laughs> 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 yeah maybe uh, you uh, know what yeah inspired. that's that's, that's, that's yeah. An analogy yeah but you know that's dope because i don't know i i i actually heard your first solo stuff through collaboration atlanta that's i i hadn't heard of you before But I was like, I was really wowed, you know, before I even went out to Atlanta to see the show. I was wowed by all the finalists. Um, but it is very distinct and is very confident. Mm. Um, and so I'm just curious because as an, as, as an actor, I know like the, the rise and the pitfalls, like the insecurities and all that stuff that like just drive you crazy. Mm. Because in, in, I imagine in the time span that you've been doing this, that you had moments of like, You're like on cloud nine and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm like, I was born to do this. But I'm also curious about, did you have moments of like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't know what oh, I was bro, that's thinking. That's like every day. <laughs> 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 you would think, it's, it's funny because we started doing music in 2010. I was talking about it with Sam too. And, you know, we've gotten, you know, a certain, I guess, amount of recognition or like there's familiarity with our brand and our sound mm -hmm. and you know it's like we're kind of seven years into it and we just feel like we just really are starting again because i if i were to put numbers to it i feel like the first like i don't know six years of me doing this was just me really training mm -hmm. um even though i started doing my solo stuff in 2013 and like early 14 like i really feel like my move to atlanta when i had to my whole livelihood depended on this like creative endeavor. That's when I really learned how to hustle and how to really grind. And I, I really started understanding my, my voice being here. Um, that's, yeah, it's, that's real yeah. because I think um, just again, like collaboration, we have had a lot of different kinds of artists come through and we've met and gotten to know a lot of different stories But I think there's like that universal shared thing of like, it is a risk for sure. Anything mm -hmm. that you do that's like truly near and dear to your heart and like a passion is gonna yeah. is gonna take a lot out of you to like go mm -hmm. for it. But especially in this, because okay, let's I mean let's talk about the Asian aspect of it, right? You're talking about your Korean representation. You're talking about your story, your voice, but mm -hmm. like you're dealing with an industry that is not familiar with it, and maybe yeah. that novelty is like a plus. But a lot of the people are going to look at it as a minus. They're going to be like, I'm going to get rejected. How am I going to sell this to right. radio or middle America sure. or like the, who, the mythical like, I mean, general you, music consumer? Right. right. So then I'm, I'm curious about your experience with that specifically. Um, yeah. Was that something that you, felt, you dealt with directly or was it something maybe like you just kind of mentally had in the back of your head? Like, I'm just curious how that played out. Yeah. Wow, there's so much to say about that. Um, I, with my music, I want to add more nuance to the Asian-American and Korean-American um, story. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I touch upon that in my Uzu Trap song. It's like, I, like I'm really loud. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm actually very loud when, when push comes to shove, you know, but I can still be a certain way. Anyway, um, that, I do that in my music. Um, But over the years, I mean, like, you know, it, people just kind of look at me and they're like, oh, you're that musical act? Oh, I thought you were just like, 
I don't know, like stage crew or one of the celloists or something. I don't For know. It's just, it's just some, I get some funny stares, but um, even if it's just because people aren't used to seeing someone like me do the music thing or be an artist. And for me, I don't really, it's weird. Maybe it's because I was in Maryland and I was always kind of like, kind of minorly scoffed at like, Oh, you're going to do this. Okay. Like, that's cool. You know, I'll kind of support you when you have something worth, you know, uh, celebrating. Um, so I'm not, that's I think that my experience growing up in Maryland doing this music thing has been very different compared to if I like grew up in LA. Right. Uh, Cuz LA it was everywhere around you so you kind of have like high expectations or you hope to have these big dreams but in Maryland I was just happy that I could get a show. <laughs> right. uh, just do one show and perform a few songs, you know. I, my expectations were very low. Um which might be like the saving grace. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a different like we we've noticed this in different like going to different cities and going talking to different artists like where you grow up has a lot to do with your development of even even your like how you view your own like your own talents yeah right because your context is so different yeah but like I don't know I feel like that could be like a really because again it kind of comes down to authenticity you don't have anything except yourself really yeah so you're gonna go be you. And you're going to develop yeah. a very unique voice. I think that's what's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm very proud to be Korean, very proud to be American. I know that my experience is different. I haven't necessarily dealt with like, oh, I, I met a white or black counterpart of myself and I see them starting at the same place as me and just like flying. <laughs> I mean, I know people who might be, like from afar, but I don't know personally people like that. So I could see if I grew up in like LA or where there are more people doing music where I could kind of grow bitter or feel like the system is super unfair. I'm not saying it's not. I just haven't dealt with it myself. Right. So for me, like I'm the only kind of person I know that ever did it. Now coming to Atlanta, even being in Atlanta, I'm still like, I feel like sonically and even the content, how I just do everything is still very unique in itself just because there aren't that many Asians doing it um, uh, around. Well, actually there are quite a few, but you know, just like my, I, I feel like I found my voice over the years being in Maryland, being incubated. I feel like I've been able to find my voice. So anywhere I go, even if I, even if I were to meet someone who had seven years experience, who is white or black or, you know, um, and had a similar sound and, you know, launched further than me, like I'm, I'm at a point where it doesn't matter to me because all these years, like I've, I've gotten a clear vision of what I want to do with my music and these accolades that I may or may not get. Like it doesn't deter me from doing what I'm want to do because um, these awards won't. I mean, they will validate me to the public in one sense, but it won't. I, that's not the validation I need to keep going. Like I, I know who I want to represent. I know what I care about speaking into, and I'm going to get in front of those audiences and share my story. Like for example, I, I don't want to keep going too long, but like I came back from this concert from this uh, one artist, and he, um, it was a transition to another song. So like, as soon as like the drummer came in, like the way they mixed everything like you you couldn't hear all the high high frequencies you only heard like the low thumping 
And then the rapper, he was like speaking into the mic. He was like moving his mouth, but you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, this is weird. What's happening? You know, like the guitarist is playing, but there's no sound. And then like that whole little um, theatrics after it was over, he was explaining like, you know, this is what it feels like to be deaf. Like, um, and this is what, you know, the next song is a, is a dedication to my sister who is deaf. You know, I spent 25 years not realizing that, you know, she had such a different experience and I, I was never aware to it. And I, I wanted to share that with you so that we could have add more nuance to people, let people become more than just, you know, some random person on the street that they're, they're actually someone's like sister or mother you know yeah. um, so when i saw that i was super inspired because i was like dude i want to do the same thing like i want to you know if i get if i get the opportunity to go to a big stage and especially if i'm in front of people who aren't like me i want to like create some sort of like skit or thing where um you know like the audience will sit in the seat of what it's like to be a, an asian american minority and I want to create a visual where like the audience just feels so helpless or feels so like uncomfortable, you know, like it's unfair that this is happening right now. Like why, why is this happening? You know? And I want to yeah. kind of like, I want to reveal it at the end. It's like, Oh, this is what we go through. You know, this is what our parents go through, you know, <laughs> and this is something that adds nuance to our story, you know, as Asian Americans. Yeah. Um, so like that, those are the kind of things that rewards and accolades, like they don't matter to me because for me, I, I want to get my parents and your parents, I want to get those stories out to the world, whether it's rewarded or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you as a storyteller because that's what you're doing. You're telling stories through your music. And I love that that's yeah. your because you're clever. Like <laughs> this is what my, my discovery with like comedy. I didn't know I wanted to be a comedic actor. <clears throat> but once I made people laugh, it was like a drug. I was like, wow, it was really fun. Um, <laughs> but to like make something of value that will bring nuance, bring enlightenment or empathy or whatever, like not whatever, but you know, all those things yeah. in a way that people welcome it. Right. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's what's so dope about music. Like you can create something that people will vibe to <clears throat> and they'll play on repeat. And maybe they didn't even realize what they were listening to the beginning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and suddenly they're like listening as layers and layers and layers and like all of a sudden you're like wow i had exactly. no idea <laughs> you know you just ninja'd them yeah. um, <laughs> intellectually and, and mentally and and i was actually having i joked with a friend of mine who's half white and half black because he started doing the asian accent i was like you can't do that <laughs> yeah. I, I i just dropped because we had to talk about the n-word and he was talking yeah. about how right. you know that like if anybody can say that that's black people Sure. And like that goes like the Bill Maher thing and everything because nobody should be saying that except black people. And yeah. he's, his opinion is like black people shouldn't even say it. But I was like, okay, if we're going to go there, yeah. <laughs> I can do the Asian accent. You can't. Like it's off limits, buddy. And he's like, yeah. what? Why? And, and what like, I do is just to tell you how my dad sounds. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm imitating my mom. You know what I yeah. mean? And so we're coming to that. And I think like a lot of the music that you're making and the comedy that people are making or what, like we can actually start having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I do my anecdote from uh, Collab Atlanta because I met someone really cool yeah go for it um, I was actually interviewed real quick after the show and he was singing your praises Uzuhan um, oh. <laughs> his name is Julian he's a journalist with CBS in Atlanta and he had been there for the show and he was just kind of like raving about how amazing the night was and he was so blown away by the talent and you know giving in like thanking me for hosting and whatnot. And then learning that I, you know, am part of Collaboration Global, he's like, so what are your opinions on 
this movement, I want to know your thoughts on um, why it means so much to you. And I just looked at him and he's black. And I was just like, well, because I feel like I've grown up knowing more about you and your culture than my own. Like, or Mm -hmm. other people knowing more about your culture than my own. And that I'm like, I'm an alien to a large degree when I'm like more than like more than anything. What I've learned is that we're more the same than different. But the things that make us different are like cool. Like they're fun and interesting. And um, I was just like, reflecting. he's just like, we had this moment (laughs) of like. He's like, that's so true. He's like, you do yeah. probably know more about black history than I will have no, like, I have no understanding about. Yeah. I just have ninjas and, like, Jackie Chan. You and know that's just I mean? like, a, yeah, that's yeah. even, like, a begrudging, like, history of black history in America. Right. Because they're, they, because how they came here. Right. Yeah. But, at the, you know, but it's kind of like acknowledging that the yeah. arts play such a big role in bring, shedding light. Right. Yeah. And um, it was just dope. Like, I really, that's what I love about these shows and these nights. Because um, I had so many great conversations. I met amazing people in Atlanta. But that was like a really great way to end it. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Atlanta, I wanted to end on this note, which is just to talk about Atlanta, because that's where Minji was for the past few days before she got the plague, deathly sick. Oh, no. I'm fine. I'm kicking. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, and Uzan's been your, your home for the last few years. Um, what's, uh, what was your favorite part of Atlanta, Minji, from your brief moment there? My favorite part of Atlanta? <clears throat> The Southern hospitality, the good vibes. Mm. I really like um, the feeling there. That's what I learned from traveling so many places. There's definitely kind of a collective vibe, essence, right? yeah. and vibe that that goes mm. hand in hand. And I think um, there's different things that impact it, whether it's like how your economy's doing or like whatever. But I noticed that the art scene really does impact people's general feeling of like friendliness mm-hmm. and. Um, openness even the vibe of the art scene too yeah right like, yeah i really like it i i just had a lot of fun that was my favorite part and i love the crowd Wazana, <laughs> what's your favorite part of atlanta uh man uh, the first thing i did notice i mean was the southern hospitality when i moved here <clears throat> i'm used to more of the new york style east coast <laughs> like just take my order and stop talking to me kind of attitude <laughs> what you want so yeah yeah because i was at a i was at some breakfast spot and this lady she was so nice to me she's like how are you doing i'm like i'm good i'll take like the omelet she's like oh uh why was it good i'm like i don't know like <laughs> I, I hung out with friends i really love she's like oh yeah tell me more and i'm like yeah I went with the Western omelet. Like, I can't compute what you're saying to me. I'm like, are you trying to get like more tip? Like, I don't need more tip without sir. You know, like, I was just so like, she's just trying to have a real human interaction, you know. And I'm over here thinking like she's trying to like get more money. Trying to hustle me. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I yeah. was just like, oh man, you see that over and over. And like, I like how you said it. It's like an essence. It's just. You know, whether people ascribe to that type of vibe or, you know, hospitality is, you know, their own choice. But I think there's just there, you know, like even for me being an a, um, a East Coast kind of person, I, I don't mind doing that Southern hospitality thing. Like I it's warm. It's a great way to welcome people into the city. And that's a better way to break the ice with somebody than just make a quick buck off them. You know, very true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny that there's just these cultural. Th- it, it reminds me of like. Like the service culture in in like Taiwan and Japan, which is you know, 
you don't have to like you can tell they're trained we're trained from like birth to like say welcome and thank you after everything um and that's not something you find in like other service cultures like american yeah. service culture even like mainland chinese service culture like, it's, it's <laughs> i have not experienced right? that yet I've, I've heard <laughs> it's different and it's definitely oh. like you know whether or not it's like they're doing it because they they think they should or they think they have to it's part of the culture to be like friendly to everybody and which right. is my kind yeah. of culture i'm like i want to hug everybody yeah but yeah. i know that that's like people have like I wouldn't necessarily. I love New York, but I wouldn't necessarily go up to New York and like just be like, "What's up?" Nah, oh, it's not a very yeah, huggy yeah. culture. No, no, they don't like the hugs. They're gonna be like, "What the hell is this little girl doing?" <laughs> exactly. It's crazy, crazy little girl. <laughs> is this a trap? I know. Am I being trapped? <laughs> Am I being taped? Like, what? What viral thing is this being? Awesome. On? Great. Uh, did you have any? Um, did you have any good Southern food? Any good Waffle House or? Man, I wanted Waffle House so bad, but um, no, I was trying to be considerate of my host, Grace Lee, love to Grace. Um, I passed by like eight of them and I didn't eat it. I did eat Fat Mats. Mm, I got it with the sun mm. my last day. Um, and I rode my bike along the Atlanta Beltline and I had King Pops, which is like popsicles. Mm. Um, anyway, it was very, it was very lovely. <laughs> So, uh, we should um, we should spend some more time in Atlanta one of these days. Just, just do some more stuff there. Oh, that, I'm planning yeah. on it. <laughs> Please do come by. It's there's a lot of good food here. Yeah. Oh, that's all Marvin's life. Well, and now you know, <laughs> just letting everyone know that there is a, also a sizable Asian community there. So if you want your Korean barbecue and stuff, it's yeah. there too. There's oh, a good spot. Six seven eight. <laughs> six seven eight. That's the name of yeah. a restaurant. Yeah, like I mean. I'm not getting paid to like, <laughs> to like shout them out. It's just I love their food because I, I I went to uh, this like Korean barbecue spot buffet and I was like, why did I pay fifty dollars for this? I could spend what? fifty dollars at six seven eight and gotten like way better meat. Like yeah. I just don't go there. Go to six seven eight. Oh my god, fifty dollars? Just I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting to that point where right now I'm discovering that a la carte Korean barbecue meat is so much better than the all you can eat stuff. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Of course. She's experienced. I, I didn't even really <laughs> realize that until recently. Well, no, I've had kind of low standards. I'm like, all you can eat because it depends on how hungry I am that day. Yeah. I mean, as you get older, you realize you have less calories you can eat every day. <laughs> so you want to make those calories count. Word. Yes. <laughs> True that. And We're educating that the young people. Note, um, Your metabolism will slow down. That's right. Congrats again to our guest Uzohan for winning Collaboration Atlanta. He'll be coming to LA later this year for the uh, Collaboration Star Finale Showcase. November. Better keep an eye out, so, y'all. Yeah. So keep an, yeah, keep an eye out. We'll be, we'll be announcing more details soon. Um, Uzohan, where can people find your stuff if they want to hear more of your music? Um, they can go to my website, uzuhan.com. And all my socials are Uzuhan Music. So you can just find everything there. Sweet. And that they will. Yeah. As always, you can find Minji and myself on Twitter. I'm at Marvin Yue. And Minji's at Minjeezy with four E's. No, Instagram is only two. You can also find find Minji on Instagram. She's on there way more than I am. (laughs) If you want to find dope food pictures. She has diamonds in her eyes. Diamonds in my eyes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love how this has become a thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) We'll share the story as another day. <laughs> um, 
as always, um, for those of you new to Collabcast, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found uh, through our RSS feeds. If you do subscribe to us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, um, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Um, don't forget, you can email us at podcast at collaboration.org if you have a question, uh, feedback, or topic suggestions. Or fan mail. Or fan mail. We love those as well. Um Tell me how sparkly my eyes are. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again to St. Lennox for use of his song for this month's intro and outro. And um, have a great week. Have a great week. Uh, We'll see you all next time. And thanks again, Uzan, for joining us. Um, You're free to go eat that 678. Go eat all the things. (laughs) I will. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Bye. 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 Bye.